Very thankful to be here this morning. The Lord is good. I would kind of like to begin to name some of the things I'm thankful for. But you wouldn't get much preaching. I'd just stand up here and weep. But I am very thankful. This morning, to have my family here with me. Every one of them. Excuse me. I'm also very thankful that when I begin to look around at the people of God, I see friends. I can assure you I'm nothing special this morning. I'm just a boy from way out in South Carolina without a whole lot of talent. Your child is without uh, necessarily a great education. And maybe not even some of the same opportunities that some other people have. But at the same time, a lot more opportunity than most people have. And so I'm just a guy. But I'm a young, I'm, well, I guess I'm not necessarily a young man anymore. I can't. <laughs> yeah. not, not quite as young as I was. But I'm a, I'm a guy that when I was a little boy, the Lord touched my heart. I guess uh, the story starts before then, but I'm a little torn to begin to recite some of my family history that probably most of you guys don't know anything about, but a few know. And I begin to think of those men and women that heard the gospel preached and found Jesus precious to their soul and they got sanctified and they were a rough bunch of people. My mom and my dad didn't tell me that. I sort of put that together as I'm going through life. There were some, well, probably ruffians would be a good way to say it. But at the same time, they heard the word of God and there was something in them that they wanted to believe the word of God. And so they did that and through that, I was able to be exposed to Christ's sanctified holy church and to the gospel of holiness. I'm so thankful for the gospel of holiness this morning that I want to stand firm on the principles of the Word of God and all its light and purity. I don't want to compromise one bit when it says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I want to say amen. We will never see the Lord without holiness. We won't see Him without peace either. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man will see the Lord. And so we want to follow after that. It says, Mark the perfect man, behold the upright. The end of that man is peace. Uh, my dear uh, leader from Columbia, South Carolina, when I was a child, uh, Brother Harry, I remember he was preaching there one time. I'd love to hear him and watch him preach. And he said, you know, they quoted that scripture, follow peace. No, it said, Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright. The end of that man is peace. He said, he's hard to catch, but it's good traveling. It's good traveling. So it's good to follow Christ. And now this is our Thanksgiving service. And uh, I've, I've had a lot of thoughts this past week. Like There's so many things I feel like I could talk about. I'm not sure how much of capacity I have to talk about any of them. But I am thankful. You know, uh, <clears throat> when I wake up in the morning and I see my beautiful wife, 
Thank you. Most of the time, actually, when I wake up in the morning, I don't see her. I see where she was. She's already up. <laughs> but I know she was there, and I know she's around. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for my children. Thankful for my son-in-law. Uh, it's nice when your family gets a little bigger. <clears throat> so appreciative that the Lord saw fit to have mercy on each one of us and let us be a part of this great gospel. Yeah, <clears throat> and so the Psalm 92, it says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp, and a solemn sound, with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work Thou, Lord, has made me glad through thy word. It's all about Jesus here. He's not going to share his glory. Not with Tim. He's not going to share his glory with Christ, sanctified holy church. He's not going to share his glory with anybody or anything. He is God. And he alone. And so we come to him. If there's anything good in our life, it comes from God. It's not some kind of thing that we put together that makes us great or wonderful. We're just blessed. The Lord's just good to us, and so we want to give Him praise. Thou, Lord, hast made me glad. Thou, Lord, made me glad through Thy works. Thy works. I will triumph in the works of Thy hands. O Lord, how great are Thy works, and Thy thoughts are very deep. Sometimes I feel like I almost see some of the thoughts, and then I catch on. I just like, no, I just maybe saw a shadow, but I enjoy those. You know, I really do. I enjoy just seeing some some little parts here and there. Psalm 93, the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thy house, O Lord, forever. Right. There's something missing in your house. It's holiness. Yeah, if you've got holiness, there's nothing missing in your house. That's right. It becomes the Lord's house to have holiness. We need holiness. We're called to holiness. Holiness is the way, my brother. We won't get there any other way. It's not my decision. It's not my call. It's not my words. It's not my gospel. These are the words of God. It's His decision. He established a way of holiness. He calls us into it. He gives us the power to walk in it. And so we want to just let the Lord have His way. Yeah, that's right. And it'll be well with our soul. Um, the Lord is good. And there's so many things here. I could just go on and on. I feel like about all this. But I do have a thing I want to get around to. A few verses here out of Psalm 119. Um, I guess if I have a, a message, and I do, I want to have a message. If I have a message this morning, it's that life is messy. It's a big mess. That's life. That's right. But the Lord is good. That's right. Now, from my perspective, I can't take a big messy life and fit it into God. But from God's perspective, He looks down on a big messy life and it's good. 
I, I, I don't know. That, that probably doesn't make any sense, but I know it's right. He yeah. just sort of gave that to me, and I'll, I'll endeavor to speak a few things in that direction this morning. Um, I told you I was very thankful to have my family here with me this morning. Hadn't always been that way. But we sing a song that says, the Lord will sanctify to you your deepest distress. He calls us to have faith. But when we see something, we don't have any faith. Right? So when my family was outside of my reach. Part of my family was outside of my reach. I had to have faith that they would be back. Well, now I have them back, but I lost my faith. I don't have any faith. Now I have sight. But faith is valuable. It's wonderful. I mean, it's incredible. Faith is substance of things hoped for. And it's evidence of things not seen. And it's like, wow, you know, it's like this thing of believing something. And not just to believe like you know, being foolish is not that. But when you hear maybe a, a heavenly uh, voice, uh, Sister Joanna expounded on that a little bit um, Friday night at church, you know, how that Elijah, you know, he said, uh, he told Ahab, he said, get ready. There's the sound of the abundance of rain. Yeah. You guys hear sound of abundance of rain? I think it was about like this. It hadn't rained for three years. And it wasn't cloudy. There was no thunder. There was no lightning. But there was a sound of an abundance of rain. So what in the world was Elijah hearing that nobody else heard? Well, that was Sister Joanna's talk to us uh, Friday night. And I was like, wow, yeah. Yes, I've had, I feel like I've had that experience where I'm like, no, I feel like something is coming. I just, I kind of know it's coming. And then Elijah... You know, since he heard the abundance of the sound of rain, then it gives you a more powerful prayer. You're able to embrace it. Say, no, I, I just know what God has given me. And I'm going to have faith that I'm going to trust what God has given me. And we're just going to pray in that direction. Not only that, I'm going to ask all my people to pray with me. He's like, yeah, yeah, go tell the king. Yeah, it's coming. Whew. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's intimidating when I begin to think about him in those terms. But that was Elijah's experience. And, and the rain did come. And he had to send a servant out there to go look. He's like, no, nah, there ain't no rain clouds. He's like, go, go look again. Still no clouds. Go look again. Just keep going. It'll be there. And so anyhow, I'll read a few of these. These are some of the scriptures that I feel like has been good to me in my times of uh, affliction. Uh, this is Psalm 119. It says, uh, the 67th verse, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. It goes on down, 71st verse. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. It's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. When you carve in a piece of wood, or if you carve in stone, it's suffering loss. It's, it's, you know, for lack of a better word, it's being punished. You sort of tear the thing. I mean, it's like this this pulpit, you know, all made out of wood. It didn't get this way by itself. Somebody took a tree and they chopped it up. 
after their own desire and made things out of the wood that they wanted. The tree didn't desire to be this. Now, you can get into some philosophies and they, they're like, yeah, the tree wants to be a pulpit, but I don't believe the tree wanted to be a pulpit. I believe a man wanted a board so he could build a pulpit, and so he did that. And God does that with us. He begins to carve and to make us into something different than what we are. And when we just submit, it gets better. It gets better. But anyhow, getting back to this messy life thing, I, uh, I began to think a little bit this morning as I was driving here. Excuse me. I'm, a lot of things I'm thankful for. <clears throat> Antihistamines is one of them. <laughs> I have some side effects, but I'm thankful. I am. I, boy, it's a mess without them. And so I'm thankful this morning. <clears throat> but as I began to drive this morning, I began to think about this, this tapestry or this story that God has woven through the ages. And, you know, you can begin to go back. You know, I, I, I kind of wanted to uh, sort of get some of the backdrop of some of the stories that I read in the scriptures. And you find a lot of that in like Kings and, you know, Chronicles and, you know, all these judges. And it's just, you know, and it's like, it's, it's rather, it's a, it's a labor to read it. But so, and, and that, and I began to think of those things, and I thought it goes back, I guess I'll start with Abraham, since we're talking about faith this morning. Abraham being the father of faith, and uh, we look to him as Christians, the Jews look to him as Jews, and I think uh, maybe there are a few other religions that look to Abraham as a father of faith. He was a father of faith. But you know what he was before God called him? He's just a man. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't born a Jew. He was not born in circumcision. He's just a guy walking around. And God made the call. And he believed the call. Because he believed the call of God and had faith, then God gave him the, the covenant. And, the, and he you know, taught him how to do the things of God. And so there you got Abraham. And then Abraham, of course, has you know, his, his two sons. And you guys go read about Abraham. That was, that, you know, talking about a messy life. Abraham had one. You know, like, no, she's not my wife, she's my sister. You know. But this is a man that God used. These, these kinds. Abraham has two sons. Uh, make sure I get them right. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I've got to check my chronology as I go. So there was uh, Isaac. Who was his brother? Ishmael. You know, so Abraham, 75 years old, he gets a promise from God. You're going to have a son. You're going to, you, your, your, your seed, your children are going to be like the sands on the seashore and like the stars in the heaven. He's 75 years old. Okay. But he believed God. And he kept believing God. A year went by, two years, and three years, and 10 years, 15 years. You know, finally, his wife, I think maybe about 10 years into it, you know, I'm trying to remember now, he was 86, I think, when Ishmael was born. 11 years later. So yeah, that'd be about right. 10 years later, his wife said, look, you got to do something about this whole promised son thing. You're old, I'm old. Here, here's my handmaid. So he takes her, well, okay, fine. And so they have a son, Ishmael. And that lasts for about another 13 years. That's how it went. This is a messy life. But God was using that man and that woman. But still, God said, no, I promised you a son. It's not your decision. My decision. God's decision. 99 years old, and you're going to have your son. He's going to be a son of promise. 
And so he did. The time of life returned to Sarah. They had a son, the son of promise. Wow, isn't that great? Finally, 100 years old, and a man gets his son that was promised 25 years ago. I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm not 75 yet, but maybe I'll get there. But I'm 48, and if I had to start now, I'd be concerned. But, but this, was, this was the man that God was using, and this is the way he was using him. All right, so I'm just trying to portray to you, I mean, because sometimes we look at our lives. I mean, my son-in-law, Brother Connor, Connor Myers, by the way, I don't know if he gave his name a while ago. Remember him, he's going to be around. He's going to be with Christ, sanctified, holy church people for a good long time. So remember who he is. If he don't know you, go introduce yourself again. That's my son-in-law. I love him. Glad he's here. All right, but as he was saying, he wasn't serving God. Maybe life was messy. Well, we had a need. We need holiness. All right, so then we got, so we, who, who we get to there? We got Abraham. We got, he got Ishmael. Then we got Isaac. Finally, Isaac here. That goes on for, I don't know how long it goes on for. I don't know how old was Isaac when he went up on the mountain with his father because God called him to make a sacrifice. Was he 10? That put Abraham about 110 years old. Was he 15? 115? He's an old guy. Take your son that I promised you way back in the day when you're 75 years old. Take that son and go make a sacrifice. Now, that story always kind of bothered me a bit because I'm like, ah, you know, God don't want people sacrificing their children. God, that just and that always sort of twisted my my mind a little bit. I don't, I didn't quite know how to handle that story. The story is not at all about a child sacrifice. The story is about believing the promise of God. God said, you're going to have a son of promise, and your son of promise is going to have children to the point that they're going to be like the sands on the seashore. Now, do you believe me? So, yes, he believed him for at least, I guess, 10 years, and then maybe had a little, maybe got a little shaken, and so he agreed with his wife to try something. And then that went on for a while. And then he had to cast out the first son, Ishmael. And now we got the second son. And now, oh, wait, i got to go sacrifice him. But no, he was firm in his faith. And he believed God that God was able even to raise him from the dead. And so he embraced the promise of God. And so we need to embrace the promise of God. But that's a little messy. It's a little messy. When I read this, I see, I see real human beings in these scriptures when I read through here. Now, uh, sanctified people enjoy our life. We do. We love our life. And we're so blessed and it's so good and we're so thankful. And, uh, you know, all these in life is good and wonderful. And, but sometimes you just see what I'm saying while I'm here in the pulpit trying to present the gospel to you. But in reality, my life's messy. It's messy. You know, and if you come, if you come stay in my house for about six months, you'd see some of the messy. But the Lord is still good. And the Lord is still faithful. And I can still present the gospel in all its light and purity. But what I'm trying to say to you is because your life is messy, don't mean that you can't enjoy the benefits of God. You need to submit yourself to the person and the will of God and let Him bless you and make you what He intends for you to be and stop believing all the things that the world tells you maybe you are. Uh, they're new ideas, which, by the way, they don't have any. There are no new ideas that I can see. 
you know, I reopen the headlines. Oh, you know, this is the big, the big progressive push now is this way, and the big conservative pushes that way, and the big liberal pushes that way. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, read about that too. It's all there. It's all there. It's there. It's not new. There's no new thing under the sun. We just happen to be aware right now because we're in that age span where we can be aware. When you're born, you're a little too young. And probably when I get a few more years older, I won't be so aware as well. I feel like I'm beginning already to lose some of my awareness. I'm like, these kids tell me something. I'm like, whoa, really? Okay. But I'm just telling you the Word of God is eternal. God built this thing just like it is. You're here for time and for purpose. And I beg of you, I beg of you to let God have His way with you in your life. It's better. And then I can't hardly believe that I can, I mean, because I remember my agony and my pain of some of the things that I felt like I was enduring through, not that I, I was, I endured some really hard times in my life. I mean, I'm, uh, hmm. Sometimes I wonder how much to share. That's, that was one of those. <laughs> Life is a mess. You know, you're not always as uh, stable as you want to be. Right? It's all right. Um, but God is still real. He's still there. And as you endure some of these things, you cannot imagine that you would ever, ever begin to look back and say, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn His ways. But I'm telling you this morning, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn His ways. Now, there have been some hard times in my life. I, I begin, and maybe I'm running out of time. Take your time. Maybe I'll share a little bit of my family stuff. You know, back in the 60s, the people in Columbia, South Carolina went out to the traffic circle and way out in South Carolina, back, back in the woods, just about. And they went out there and they preached to some people. And some people heard it, those were my people. And they got sanctified. And a whole bunch of them got sanctified. And it was a good time. It lasted for a while. And some things happened that were heartbreaking. And I guess they got discouraged. I don't know. I can't quite get the whole story, really. So it must be beyond heartbreaking. All right? So a lot of things happened. And they got discouraged, I guess. I know that by the time I came along, one sanctified woman, my grandmother, just one, out of all that big crowd, all my uncles, my dad, and my grandfathers that passed on, <clears throat> one woman still living holy out there in Sloan County, South Carolina but she was enduring and she was old and I'm sure she was tired but she'd get up in the morning and, this type, and this is the type of uh, girls, my girls, in case you all are wondering the type of woman uh, that you come from and your mother's a little bit like this too, but she's tough this lady would climb into a flatbed truck with some plywood size. I mean, it's like a, not, not like a pickup truck, like a work truck. And she'd throw some hay bales in there. She was in her 80s when I knew her, when I was young. 
when I was a baby. She'd throw hay bales in there and she'd drive out in the middle of a cow pasture. This was her daily existence. And she would drive that truck and you could put it down. What they call it, they called me as double low. It's a low gear. And it'd go real slow. And so she would climb out of the window of that truck, Dukes of Hazard style, you know, out of the window, over the plywood side of the truck, into the bed, throw out the bells of hay for the cows, climb back in and drive to the house because that's the kind of type of person she was. She did not stop, but she would endure. The cows needed to feed because she'd always fed the cows. All right, I'll tell you that story just to give you an example of sometimes the tenacity that it might take to keep living holy. But she was that type of person, and she endured. And the whole community out there loved her, and the church loved her. And I still remember her funeral. And I'm not the only one. I have people come to me and say, I remember your grandmother's funeral. says, I thought the whole place was going to just start shouting. Says that was the most incredible thing because she endured. She held on to those things. But there were some terrible, sad, heartbreaking, just, I mean, some awful things that she endured in her life. I mean, I could tell you more things about my family. And, um, just as a very short part of it just so just so you understand this is not made up i have an aunt mary that i remember she died in a trailer house fire right down the street from my grandmother where she lived i remember that i remember that she died her daughter burned to death in a trailer she still lived holy that daughter's husband was an alcoholic uncle herman she still lived holy i have an aunt lona and an uncle elliot that if they walked in here right now i wouldn't know them. i've never seen them as far as i know Apparently, I have a cousin that's a nun somewhere named Kitty. I don't know her either. So this is the type of family situation that she had to endure, but she still lived holy. And there's more. There's more. I could tell you more, but I think that's probably enough. I just wanted you to see that this is real stuff, and it's real messy, and it's not new. You go in So when I read through these Old Testament Scriptures, I see these type of people, people with messy, messy lives. I'm like, what in the world? Alright, so then you got Abraham, you got Ishmael, Abraham, Isaac, so you got Isaac and Ishmael and you know they're half brothers and they can't be together and all this stuff happens and you know then Isaac has um Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I will get it right. And then you got Jacob, you know, and you know, he begins to come and he has the twelve patriarchs and uh you know, one of those, I was just telling Connor, I was driving down here, so I didn't realize until this morning when I'm driving, I'm sitting in the back seat thinking because Grace volunteered to drive so I could give myself a little time in the scriptures. And I'm driving. All right, so you got Abraham had Ishmael and Isaac. And then you got Isaac, Jacob, and then you got the 12. I can't name them all, so I'm not going to do that. But one of them was Joseph. Joseph was sold to who? The Ishmaelites. Second cousin. Talk about messy. Right? Oh, but maybe it wasn't the Ishmaelites. Maybe it's the Midianites. It calls them both in the same verse. I looked it up this morning because I was a little confused. But guess what? If they're Midianites, still second cousins, assuming the same generation. All right, so, but this happened. And so he was sold into slavery, this man Joseph. And talk about a messy life, all right? So here you are, young. Now, I'm, you know, it is getting on. I'm aware of the time, so don't be discouraged. All right, so we got Joseph. You know, this man has dreams. Sometimes I think, like, sometimes if you're dreaming like that, maybe you ought to just keep it to yourself. It might be safer. <laughs> but 
God gave him those dreams. So when I look at it like that, I'm like, well, maybe safe ain't the best thing. All right. So he has these dreams, and his father loves him. and gives him a coat of many colors, and his brothers hated him. They did. They hated that boy. Like, who does this kid think he is? He's having these dreams, and, you know, they're gathering corn, and, you know, their sheaves bow down to his sheaves, and even my mom and my dad, too. You're telling me my mom and dad's going to bow down to you? Come on, bro. You know, I'd be upset. I would. That's just natural. But God gave it to him. And we got to remember, this is God's way, not my way. I didn't make this stuff up. I'm just reading from the scripture. And so here's some of that messy life. And so he's got to live with that. His brothers got to live with that. His mom and dad's got to live with that. They all got to live with that. All in the same house. <laughs> but still, God had a purpose. And God's using these people, these messy life people, for a purpose to bring it down. And so he's sold, goes into Potiphar's house. Now that's a mess. Y'all know that story. Potiphar's wife, she wants him. He says, no way. I can't sin against God. Now, and there's one. How are you going to sin against God when you don't have a commandment yet against adultery? Or fornication. Commandments of God hadn't come yet. They're in there. He said, I can't sin against God. Moses hadn't come on yet. He hadn't seen those, ten, those tables with the Ten Commandments. Hadn't been there yet. But still, I can't sin against my God. And so he purposed in his heart. That's another thing I'd like. To, I, a lot of things I'd like to tell you about. The whole purposing in your heart. He purposed in his heart. That, no way. I'm not going to go against my God. I mean, look, you're in Potiphar's house. And you know, everybody here that's married, they know that if she says it. I mean, I know we're the head of the house. Don't get me wrong. But when Honey makes a decision that she wants Tim to think a certain way, it won't be long Tim be thinking like that. And so... If he had made Potiphar's wife happy, Potiphar would have made Joseph then promoted. It's just the way it would have worked. And I'm sure she told him that. But he said, no, I can't sin against God. In the prison he goes. But there's a purpose. But he don't see the purpose. He can't see that. We, we're looking at it now because we see it all at once. We see it all at once. He's just in a mess. Like, here I am. Brothers hate me. Tried to kill me. One of them saved me from being killed. The other one decided I get sold into slavery. Here I am a slave. Finally find a house. Doing all right. Now she won't leave me alone. Now I'm going to prison. Now I'm sitting down here in the dungeon. And there's two of the king's servants. The baker and the butler. They have a dream. Well, I guess he's familiar with that. <clears throat> they have a dream. He interprets their dream. One is going to be promoted back to his, his uh, butlership. The butler gets his job back. The baker's going to get hanged. Sure enough, a few days later, that happens. Forget all about Joseph. Years go by. You know, and that's the thing, too. You get a messy life, you get a messy life for a long time. But still, God has a purpose, and God can work in your life. And then the Pharaoh has a dream. And the Pharaoh's trouble. When the Pharaoh gets troubled, everybody gets troubled. But then the butler remembers. Oh, but wait, there was a guy. I remember a guy. Still down there in your prison, I think. He told me my dream. And he can probably help you. And so he did. And he came and he interpreted the dream. You're going to have seven years of plenty. You're going to have seven years of famine. And it's coming. So you better get ready. The Pharaoh rejoices. Promotes him to the second second ruler in the kingdom. Now this man. Loved by his father. In the pit. Sold into slavery. Potiphar's house. In the dungeon. Maybe a little bit better in the dungeon. Back in the dungeon. Now all the way to the top except for Pharaoh. 
This is a messy life. But this is his experience. And why? So that he could be ready to save life for the promise that God gave to Abraham. The promise that God gave to Abraham. Now, and those are the kind of things that I've had on my mind. It's the continuity of God. And so, but I want to read you this. This is kind of what got me thinking about all this thing. All the, I mean, it's just the honor. Oh, God just, he just, through the ages, he carries on this thing. That's right. And I know this is taking a long time, but I'm, I'm going to read this. All right, so this is the contest. The contest. I always like to put that in brackets. Contest on Mount Carmel. I guess in some people's eyes, it really was a contest. <clears throat> all right, but the thing that stood out to me when I read this, all right, so a few years back, or maybe a few generations, can't remember now. All right, so, all right, so I begin, we got through all those. I'm going to have to fast forward a little bit. All right, so we get all the way through the judges, and then we got the kings. Well, not the kings, we get King David. King David does God's will, has a son, Solomon, which was a mess, by the way. Y'all know the story. Solomon, blessed with wisdom from God because he asked for it, the wisest man in all the earth. Except he loved many wives. Kind of a mess. But Solomon had a son, Rehoboam. Now, this is one of the most interesting passages to me in the scripture. Now, Rehoboam was approached when he became king from... I just lost it. I think I just turned the place down too. Who, Who were the guys? Solomon. I got him in here somewhere. Rehoboam. Here we go. Um... Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake to Rehoboam. Okay, so it's Jeroboam. Thy father made our yoke grievous. Well, their father built a temple and a lot of other stuff, and it cost a lot of money. So it was like, you know, this stuff don't get done without some money. So their taxes were high, among other things. And when I say taxes, I mean he took he took a lot, and he take your he take your labor too. All right, he said, give us some relief. But it says that. <clears throat> And they spake unto him, and this was, And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father, while he had yet lived, and said, How do you advise that I may answer this people? So the question was that your father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father, and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he told them, Depart for three days, and come back, and I'll give you an answer. And he spake to the old man and he said how do you advise that I may answer this people and the old man said if thou wilt be a servant unto this people to death just for one day just give them this one thing and we'll serve them and answer them and speak good words to them then they will be your servants forever but what a tragedy he forsook the counsel of the old man which they had given him and consulted with the young man which were grown up with him and which stood before him. Now, I'm 48, and I know, I guess, about as much as a 48-year-old can know. Now, I don't know what to do with the situation. There's another guy just like me. Well, if I ask him, he's probably not going to do any more than I do. But, now, if I go to Paul, he's got a few years on me. If I go to Brother Ed, he's got a few years on me. Brother Frank, a few years on me. Probably they'll give me some good advice. Why am I going to ask a guy that knows the same thing I do about something I don't know? I don't know. But that's what he did. But 
All that aside, the Scripture says, all through the Scriptures, He calls for respect for your elders. It's a big deal. Respect your elders, children. It's a big deal. In the commandments of God, He said, Thou shalt rise up at the hoary head. One of the things He said. He's gray-headed and He walks in. You're supposed to stand up and say hi. I guess. I mean, that's, that's probably about as close as I can equate it to what he was trying to accomplish then, but he wants us, he wants us, commands us to have great respect for those who are greater in years than we are. And it's for a good reason. It's for our own good. But anyhow, so that's some, some of this messy living. Alright, so but anyhow, so we got but Rehoboam, he did not listen to the counsel of the old man. And because of that, the kingdom was divided. You got ten, you got twelve, you got a higher a, a northern kingdom, you got a southern kingdom. And those things happened, and they just kept right on living. And I feel like after a few years, they probably felt pretty, uh, like, everything's fine. This whole ten and two things working just fine. It's all right. Nothing wrong with it. It's working. I'm here. We're living. It keeps going, right? But now on the, on the uh, Mount Carmel, this is what happened. And they, uh, okay, you guys know this story. <clears throat> and he told the prophets of Baal, choose your bullet, build your altar, and call upon your God. And they did that for hours, and they cut themselves and left on the altar and said, here is old Baal, all these things. And they cried from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud. For he is a God, either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth, and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, cried aloud, and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass that at midday, that there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Now these were the people of God. These were Israelites that were dealing with. And they were calling upon Baal and making sacrifices to Baal upon that altar. And he said, come here to me. And all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down from way back then. That promise from way back. Go find that altar and repair that altar. And the Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And I imagined in my heart when I read that, that there were probably some men and women there standing watching Elijah, and they, this was their experience, and this was the time of history that they lived in, and they're watching this prophet Elijah, this prophet from that God that we used to serve, but now we're sort of moved on to Dagon and Ashtaroth and Baal and all these others, we sort of going beyond that. We know better now. But he still believes that. And he picks up a stone, picks up another, all the way up to nine and ten. You know, okay, you got the ten tribes, that's good. He reaches down and picks up another stone. Wait, what's he doing? They've probably completely forgotten about the southern kingdom. Eleven, twelve. Just because you guys pulled it apart, separated yourselves, broke off, went away, decided in your heart that you would do something different that doesn't change the purpose of God. Right. He said there were 12 
tribes, there's 12 tribes. Don't matter how long you beat it. It doesn't matter how long you say it, 10 and 2. It don't work that way. That's not what God said. And it just struck me when I read that. And he said, wow, 12 stones. There it is. God said 12. We're going to say 12. And I just want to be that way in my life. The things of God that He shows me, I just want to embrace it with everything that I have. Say, Lord, I I don't understand it. I don't know why it's got to be that way. But I'm going to have faith. I'm just going to believe the Word of God. I'm going to believe the things that He's given me out of His Word. The reason I have so much confidence in the things that Christ Sanctified Holy Church has taught me is because they always told me to go read it for yourself. And I have. And it's true. You need to be sanctified. You need the Spirit of the Most High God to come and live in your heart. And you can have it. You're not so different that God won't bless you. Um, did me so good. We were on the job the other day. Uh, Connor, was, we were working there. I forget what we're doing, but I remember what he said. He said, you know, I was thinking the other day, just kind of offhand. He said, I was thinking the other day, it doesn't matter how far away people get from God. You know, he's really not that far from them. What? I said, what makes you think that? He said, I don't know. I just feel that way. I said, well, hold on, let me find something. I get off my phone. Like, I got to look this up. This, and it's Acts 17 that he read to you this morning. Though he be not far from every one of us. God is here. He stands all the day, arms outstretched. You know, God is not bound by time. We're bound by time. For us, it progresses and it goes on. But God is all at once. All the time. His son is for the way I see it. And I don't know, maybe this is wrong, but I don't think it is. The way I see it, in God's view, his son died for you today, right now. Hanging on the cross for you because he loves you. And he wants to forgive you. And he wants to save you from your sins. And he wants to make you help you live holy. And it will be good to you and good for you and good for your family. And so I do, I do appreciate the time here and I appreciate the word of God and I pray that it's been a help and an encouragement to somebody in some way the Lord loves you he wants you to live holy you can do it you can do it and if anybody here this morning has a need I know sanctified people love to pray we love to pray with people so this is your invitation any need you have this morning we're ready we're ready to pray so everybody stand we'll sing this morning.